Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Monday, October 17th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Yes, I'm here. I just had to switch a switch there. The sound is there. We are live. You might have to refresh, although I don't know why I'm saying that, because if you can't hear me, how would that help? (laughs) But anyway, we are here. We are live and direct in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. But man, it is stormy outside. We're actually having thunderstorms and lightning out here. And it's pretty rare. We don't usually get it out here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, too humid. Uh, you know, weather conditions aren't usually right for that. But yeah, we are getting some lightning. And I've been looking out the looking out the window here at the condominium tower, uh, watching some lightning strikes. Uh, it's been quite a show. So uh, very interesting. This uh, last couple of days, Thursday and Friday, I was up in Vancouver, British Columbia at the International Cannabis Business Conference. Uh, you may have heard some of my live shows from there. Uh, I haven't yet had the chance to process a lot of the uh, audio from the event, so I'm going to hold off on that. I had tweeted earlier today that I was going to uh, play Brendan Kennedy's keynote address. He's the CEO of Privateer Holdings, the people behind the Marley Natural brand, as well as Canada's Tilray uh, Medical Marijuana Company. Uh, I just didn't have the time to get that put together, so we'll we'll save that for tomorrow. But we've got all sorts of great stuff coming up on today's show anyway, because there's a lot of news to get to. We are just 22 days away from Marijuana Election Night 2016, people. We'll be live in Los Angeles, California at the Drug Policy Alliance's Prop 64 Watch Party. We'll be uh, sending our stream out to various radio and TV stations around the country, and we'll be providing six hours of live coverage from time zone to time zone, all nine states that are voting on statewide initiatives, as well as some of the local votes that'll be happening, particularly the Denver Social Use Initiative that could set an amazing precedent for the rest of the legal states. So that's coming up on uh, election night, Tuesday, November 8th, starting at 3 p.m., running till 9 p.m. Pacific right here on CannabisRadio.com. On today's show, after our Cannabis Radio News, we will be getting to a cannabis focus on my home state of Oregon, where investors here are looking at election night and the bans that are up for a vote in various western counties. The eastern counties don't have to vote on it, but the western ones do. That's a long story. We'll tell you about it coming up right after the news. Also on the show today in drug war data mining, uh, there's a piece from Keith Humphreys up in the Washington Post with uh, looking at three things that we could pretty much bet on happening in the United States with the advent of marijuana legalization. We'll take a look at that. Then at half past, we'll be speaking with Dr. Mitch Earlywine in our cannabis Q&A, taking your questions at 650-LEGAL-MJ on cannabis science, culture, history, and health. We'll also look at marijuana and sleep. We'll look at whether marijuana affects educational outcomes. 
a new study on cannabis and Parkinson's disease, another study on cannabis and cervical cancer, another study on cannabis and osteoporosis, and uh, the workplace drug testing statistics are out. We'll ask Dr. Mitch his opinion on those. Then at the uh, end of our first hour, we'll have time for a radical rant where I'm taking on TV's quack Dr. Oz, who's been spreading some junk science trying to discredit marijuana. I picked this up in the Idaho Statesman, and uh, I still uh, still get the feed from my uh, birthplace, <laughs> the red state of Idaho. And uh, I'll be demunking that in the uh, radical rant coming up at the end. Hour two, Toker Talk Radio. Phone line is 650-LEGAL-MJ. We'll uh, talk about Rick Steves making his way to Maine. And the write-in Russ Belville campaign for president starts today. We'll tell you all about it at the end of the second hour. Thanks for joining us. And we're back with the news after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. We're here with Sir Richard Branson. Far more damage is being done to people by the current approach. Jim McMahon. You know, a lot of the coaches are old school. You know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of bot smokers. John Popper on the telephone. You know, I think in the 60s there was that kind of, the bigotry wasn't so concrete. It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay, maybe you're high too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. 
This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, October 17th, 2016. Marijuana dispensaries around Oregon sold more than $160 million worth of recreational marijuana and pot-laced products in the first nine months of the year, as indicated by sales tax figures released Monday by the State Department of Revenue. The agency received $40.2 million in recreational marijuana sales tax payments from dispensaries between the start of January and the end of September, showing that about $160.8 million worth of recreational pot was sold in Oregon. State-regulated medical marijuana dispensaries selling recreational marijuana charge a 25% sales tax to customers for all flour, edibles, and other marijuana products. This month, the Oregon Liquor Control Commission licensed the first retailers in its recreational marijuana program. The retailers charge a 17% state sales tax for all recreational marijuana products. Dispensaries, which the Oregon Health Authority oversees, must become licensed retailers with the OLCC to continue to sell recreational pot after the start of 2017. Until the end of the year, any dispensaries that have not become retailers will continue to collect a 25% sales tax. Early results from a survey of law enforcement agencies conducted by the Kansas Attorney General suggest legal Colorado marijuana is having a big impact on Kansas, but it may not be all negative. Attorney General Derek Schmidt received responses from 390 Kansas law enforcement agencies and district attorneys indicating that less marijuana is being confiscated, but it's much higher in potency than the pot smuggled in from Mexico. Survey results also show that the legal system has been swept by changing attitudes about marijuana, with some jurisdictions no longer enforcing pot laws much. When they do, they're finding it tough to win convictions, the Wichita Eagle reported. Some juries are refusing to hand down marijuana convictions. Labette County's prosecutors said several potential jurors have stated during jury selection in non-marijuana cases that they think pot should be legal. Supporters of a referendum to legalize marijuana for recreational use have touted the proposal as applying only to adults 21 and older, but it could actually legalize marijuana for everyone, even children, Maine Attorney General Janet Mills warned. The interpretation by the state's top prosecutor, a Democrat, provided a late gift to marijuana opponents and put referendum supporters on the defensive. Scott Gagnon, who directs anti-legalization group Smart Approach to Marijuana, said the organization will have a new TV and radio ad next week playing up Mills' concerns about kids and pot. Mills said the referendum removes existing legal language that makes possession of small amounts of marijuana a civil infraction for both adults and children. That means there would be no penalties for children who consume or smoke marijuana, she said. A bill legalizing marijuana for Delaware adults is expected to be introduced in January when the General Assembly reconvenes, the Senate Majority Whip said. Senator Margaret Rose Henry, a Democrat from Wilmington, who penned Delaware's medical marijuana bill, said she will propose a bill that would legalize marijuana for Delawareans 21 and older. Henry said the bill has to be sent to the lawyers and she will work on gaining sponsors. According to an analysis from the Marijuana Policy Project, taxing marijuana would generate about $21 million, said Henry, the committee chairwoman. Henry said that she knows she will fight a, face a fight and may not get reelected, but, quote, I'm going to do it, end quote. Officials moved to decriminalize marijuana use last year. Now, possessing a small amount of marijuana for private use in Delaware is paid like a traffic ticket and punishable by only a $100 civil fine. A mother in Ohio claims she found an unsavory deep-fried surprise in her four-year-old daughter's French fry order from Wendy's. Springfield's Desiree Risner said she found weed in the meal after her daughter said the fries, quote, 
tasted funny and were yucky, end quote, according to a Huber Heights police report. Risner says she then called the restaurant, but a manager reportedly told her uh, that no one at the store had marijuana. Risner proceeded to call the police department and reported the incident. The officer went to the Wendy's location and spoke with the shift manager and three employees. Two of the employees admitted to smoking marijuana, but no weed was found following a search of the restaurant's facilities. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, October 17th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Nevada's local leaders are voting yes on two to regulate marijuana. Through this Yes on 2, we're creating a direct line of revenue. Our schools here in Nevada are so underfunded, this would be a great revenue source to expand and improve upon the educational system. If you decriminalize it and regulate it and tax it, uh, it's a win-win. I'm Heidi Swank, and I'm voting yes on question two. And I'm voting yes on question two. And I'm voting yes on two. I'm Kitty Jung, and I'm voting yes on question two. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at a report in the Seattle Times. Uh, This is entitled, Investors Anxious as Oregonians Again Vote on Marijuana. And what's going on here is the fact that we have uh, so-called dry counties here in Oregon. When our Measure 91 passed, in the initiative, we offered the local control option to cities and counties that might not want to have pot shops or licensed grows or processors or whatever, just the marijuana licensees, not to ban personal grows or personal possession. Everyone in Oregon can do that, but just to allow these more rural, more conservative counties that are hesitant to get on the bandwagon, uh, the opportunity to ban those licenses. However, we made it explicit in Measure 91 that that ban would have to come through a vote of the people. It only seems reasonable. The thing that happened, though, is after we passed Measure 91, with 56% of the vote, 56.11% to be accurate, 
the greatest support any state has ever had for legalizing marijuana. After we passed that, the legislators in Eastern Oregon, led by Senator Ted Ferrioli, had kind of a revolt uh, in the uh, state uh, legislature and complained about the fact that they'd have to have these votes in their counties to ban licenses. And their rationale was, hey, we just had a vote. We just put it up to a vote. We just had a legalization vote on Measure 91 for pot shops and processors and growers. And our county said no. So why should we have to, in the very next election, have to have another vote to say whether or not we want pot shops and processors and grows? Seems redundant. Seems like a waste of money. And we're so obviously against it out here. The votes were so great against 91 that it's obvious we're going to ban it uh, anyway. The vote will turn out anyway as a ban. So why waste the time? Why waste the money? That was their argument. And it was a successful argument because the legislature then crafted this exception. We, we call it the, uh, the West Idaho Compromise. Uh, I call Eastern Oregon Western Idaho because geographically, uh, politically, economically, religiously, they're pretty much the same state. So east of the Cascade Mountains, it was determined – well, it, it wasn't determined geographically. It was determined by the vote. The, the law that was passed said that if your county voted more than 55% against legalization, then you're excused. You don't have to have a vote. You can just ban it through your city council, ban it through your county commission. But if your county voted less than 55% against it, if it was close – or your county voted for it, well, then you have to put it to a vote. Now, I found that to be an unacceptable compromise because the will of the people of the state of Oregon said that there should be the, the, the democracy in action said that there should be democracy applied, <laughs> right? We had a majority of the people, 56%. Again, if 55% is our benchmark here for the counties that, that should, should be able to ban, how come it's not a benchmark for the state to say they can't ban. But they got this thing through, so if your county voted more than 55% against, they don't have to vote on the ban, which is ridiculous because it's not the same vote. The vote in 2014 was, pot's completely illegal. Should we legalize it and have pot shops? Yes or no. But now the vote is, pot's legal. People in the county can plant it and grow it and harvest it and, and, and use it. They could possibly be selling it. So now that pot's legal, should we have pot shops and grows and licenses? Now that pot's legal and anyone can grow it and sell it on the corner, surreptitiously, illegally, do we want to disincentivize that by providing a retail outlet in our county? It's a different question now. But unfortunately, those eastern counties won't get a chance to vote on that question. Now, the western counties will, and right now, a uh, Golden Leaf Holdings, uh, this uh, story in the uh, Seattle Times talks about how they paid $3.3 million for 100 acres in Marion County. Now, Marion County is the county that holds Salem. Salem is the city that is our capital city. And Bo Whitney from Golden Leaf says, quote, uh, that the, uh, uh, that the uh, county passed a ban on any sort of marijuana licensing in unincorporated areas. And, of course, where they had bought their 100 acres is in one of these unincorporated areas. So Golden Leaf and a bunch of these companies are now looking at the vote coming in about 50 Oregon towns and cities 
uh, towns and counties, excuse me, that will be deciding whether or not the licensing can take place within their borders. There's a lot of money on the line in this local election, and every single one of these bans means jobs, means economic development that is not happening in these counties. Well, excuse me! It seems like a pretty simple vote to me if you're in a rural county and you're looking at uh, a recovery that's gone mostly to the top 1%, hasn't hit the people in the rural areas much at all, I think you'd be clamoring for jobs and tax revenue and reduction in crime. Well, it'll happen eventually. Happy 420, Mountain Time Zone. We're back right after this. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Washington, it has passed. Uh, the, uh, the news organizations are calling it. Tell everybody in the red states how great legal weed is. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in drug war data mining, the uh, story is up from the Washington Post, and it's entitled, Here's What America Would Be Like with Legal Pot. And uh, Keith Humphreys is uh, reporting this, and uh, he's got a, a great background in this. He's a professor of psychiatry at Stanford and has done a lot of reporting on, on drug issues. Uh, kind of the neutral type as well, not, a, you know, not for, not against, just trying to provide the facts. 
And I thought some of the facts that he pr- presented in this uh, in this piece deserved a little discussion. First of all, he opens with Carl Sagan. You can never go wrong opening with Carl Sagan, although he mentions something Carl Sagan never said. His first line says, Carl Sagan w- was famous for intoning about billions and billions when describing how many stars, galaxies, and planets existed in the cosmos. Uh, I, I've read everything uh, Carl Sagan's ever written. Uh, I've, I've heard all his interviews. Uh, and that was one of the things he always laughed about was that while he said the word billions a lot, he never actually said billions and billions as the phrase. Kind of like, you know, play it again, Sam, was never actually said in Casablanca, but that's the way everyone remembers it. But anyway, uh, the first fact that he brings up and the reason he mentions billions and billions is to talk about the aggregate marijuana smoking in america and this is an interesting stat he says in aggregate americans report smoking pot about four billion days a year obviously there's 365 days a year what they're saying is you know you add up the guy who smokes twice a year and then you add up me who smokes 365 days a year and then you add up all of us and you end up with four billion days per year and uh, he says of course that this is uh probably an undercount the true total is probably closer to 10 billion aggregate days per year now that stat in and of itself doesn't tell us much but when you compare it to some other data you can start to draw some conclusions the first one he draws is that the risks of being arrested for smoking pot are extremely low now he brings up that police made 620,000 arrests for marijuana possession in 2014 i think the 2015 number was 500 80,000, something like that. And it works out to about one arrest every minute. But he then takes that number and compares it to the aggregate smoking days by saying, you know, the 620,000, you divide that by the 4 billion possible days where someone could have gotten busted smoking pot, and it works out to a very low chance. He says, a person who smokes pot once a week faces an average risk of one arrest every 125 years. And he also says uh, for every marijuana possession arrest in 2014, a person, uh, uh, an American reported using pot for almost 6,500 days. This is a a variation on Kevin Sibet's old line about, you know, you had to smoke 12,000 joints before you finally get arrested for it. Right. And this is to try to minimize. This idea is to minimize what the harm is from marijuana prohibition and to try to say, oh, we don't really need to legalize it. There's just a one in 1,000 chance. There's a one in... 300 chance, whatever it might be, whatever they say it is, this chance that you might get arrested. Well, of course, it's easy to diminish this when you're talking about the guy who smokes once a week who might get the 101 arrest every 125 years, or the person who only faces the risk after 12,000 joints, unless you're that guy smoking 12,000 joints, unless you're that person smoking more than once a week, and especially if you're younger, if you're tattooed, if you got long hair, you got dark skin, you got a lower socioeconomic class, then of course those odds go way, 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 way up. So citing some aggregate figure for the generic pot smoker doesn't really tell us much. Another thing that he points out is that marijuana use almost never contributes to suicide or homicide. Uh, Again, this is where we, this is the good side of that aggregate smoking days figure, the 4 billion smoking days, is that when a Kevin Sabet pops up and says, uh, oh my God, there's been, you know, a doubling of kids getting into the marijuana gummies, or there's been an increase in how many, or or, or who is it, Christine Tatum, who says, oh, this guy, you know, he went psycho and he killed somebody because he was on pot. Folks, if there's 
a billion, four billion days worth of pot smoking going on there. And the best you can do is bring up one, two, or three anecdotes. <laughs> then you're not talking about a huge risk. I mean, here's what uh, Humphreys write. He says, even if a one in 250,000 risk of marijuana use causing someone to commit homicide would translate into more marijuana caused homicides, then there are homicides in the United States. This implies that even if marijuana use can truly cause suicidal homicidal behavior, the needed combination of factors is as rare as hen's teeth. (laughs) With 4 billion smoking days and 31 million people smoking, then if it were any sort of cause of murder and mayhem, we'd see a whole lot more murder and mayhem. I mean, apply that to anything. You know, when they talk about uh, it's going to cause more auto wrecks. Really? 31 million people smoking, 4 billion days a year. We ought to just have nothing but crashes and mayhem and blood on the freeways by this point. And finally, the last part that he adds in here is a key impact of pot legalization will be an increase in how much time Americans spend stoned. He points out that the prices plummet when marijuana is legalized and marijuana use is rising by about 10% a year. He says this is astonishing. And for it to increase, the American population has to smoke more often. An annual increase of a billion hours a year or more. He's talking about this. He asks, is adding a billion hours of pot intoxication every year good or bad for the country? Well, again, we've already had this massive amount of pot smoking and we don't see a whole bunch of problems from it. Jonathan Calkins points out that half of the marijuana use is by people that are heavy chronic users, many of whom uh, might have a disorder. But we saw that data from last week that showed since 2002, the rate of marijuana use disorders has stayed stable at 1.5% of the population. These folks have got a whole bunch of solutions in search of problems that don't exist. All right, we're back with Dr. Mitch and your calls right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Our daughter, Rebecca, could have a seizure at any given time that could take her life. When you have 200 seizures a day, she gets so scared. I've learned a lot about the benefits of medical marijuana in the treatment of intractable epilepsy in children. We feel her saying to us, Mom, Dad, help me. When is this going to stop? Why don't you, my parents, who love me, do something? And we can't. Please help us help our daughter. Our daughter, Rebecca, needs all options for medical marijuana, so please vote yes on Amendment 2. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter. 
and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at herbiesheadshop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at herbiesheadshop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. All right, everybody, welcome back. Time for our weekly visit with Dr. Mitch Earlywine in SUNY Albany. How you doing, Dr. Mitch? Oh, Mitch, can you hear us okay? Uh, still trying to get to connect. Oh, there he is. There you are. I had to get the right uh, the right thing to... I can oh, hear me good. Okay? okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> we finally got it. I was off on the road and things get reset sometimes. So uh, glad to have you here. And uh, we're just... Uh, 22 days away from the election, Dr. Mitch. Uh, What are you thinking about uh, this upcoming vote? I'm thinking about writing in Russ Belleville. (laughs) That's right. The campaign starts today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you're approved in this state, but we could really really use those electoral votes for you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping I can take New York. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Folks, want to remind you, our phone line's open at... uh, 650-LEGAL-MJ, that's 650-534-2565, and uh, we'll see if the folks out in the uh, in the audience can hear you now. Uh, so much to get fixed, and there's so many topics for us to discuss, Dr. Mitch, so let's just get right to it. Uh, first of all, we have this uh, study that had uh, come across uh, about uh, weed and sleep, asking, does weed help you sleep? And these researchers are saying it probably isn't helpful. It's kind of a surprise to me. What can you tell us about this? Well, what's curious is it's probably strain dependent. What a surprise. The actual onset of sleep seems to be uh, improved with both uh, high CBD and even uh, high THC strains, but we're not always getting the exact amount of REM sleep we would love to get, that rapid eye movement sleep that's supposedly co-varying with dream time we do see when folks use regularly days and days and days and then and then don't use they often have a bit of REM rebound they often take more of that uh, stage of sleep when they sleep that night so it's it's still a little early to, to decide but we are seeing uh, a lot of folks report a lot of improvement it may actually be in part from some of the terpenes that uh, we we know and love, particularly those wild uh, aromas and flavors that seem to come that may actually be independent of THC or CBD. Hmm. Yeah, it, it really surprised me because, uh, you know, I'm not one to say that my, my cannabis use is for medical purposes, but if I were, uh, I would point to my insomnia. I used to be one of these, I could never sleep when I was a kid. My brain wouldn't turn off and I find a couple of smoke uh, puffs on a joint and boom, I go to sleep right away. So we'll, uh, we'll keep our eye on this kind of stuff. 
All right, let's get to uh, this other one, a study that's showing a possible negative effect effect of uh, medical cannabis laws. Particularly, they're talking about educational outcomes and people being more likely to get GEDs. Uh, this kind of kind of sounds like it's got some uh, confounding problems. Could you explain to our listeners? So, as you can imagine, the idea that medical marijuana states might have folks uh, have a number of people who end up choosing a GED rather than a high school diploma would would be obviously confounded because they're just not randomly assigned. We're not saying here you at random become a state that has medical marijuana and you that don't. The longitudinal uh, look is going to have to be done in order to really get a feel for is there even a chance of this being causal. But I feel like this uh, more than anything just says, hey, states that really need and understand uh, medical cannabis may be the ones where uh, folks may not take the standard path to a high school diploma because they have plans for uh, tech education, going into business themselves, something along those lines. It's just a little early to tell. I, I think uh, the thing we should do is just randomly assign medical marijuana laws to 25 of the states, and 25 more would have to lose them. There we go. And and what about the impact of the prohibition itself? I mean, I know my my career path was, you know, derailed uh, because of drug testing. I would refuse to take a drug test and that kept me out a lot of the better jobs or the same kind of effect with people in education, wouldn't it be? Sad but true. It can also interfere with some of the funding for uh, a college education. And so uh, a decrease in educational attainment may be more a product of prohibition than uh, any kind of cannabis use itself. Good point, man. We've got a, another study to look at, more good news studies coming out. This one on uh, cannabis inhalation improving folks that have Parkinson's disease. Maybe tell folks a little bit what Parkinson's is and what this study is showing us. Well, so Parkinson's oddly seems to work in the dopaminergic system, and it's that sort of uncontrollable shaking. We've we've seen a number of famous people have it and come out in support of some of the research for it. The impact of at least some cannabis strains on the jitteriness and the actual, uh, you know, unintentional movement is dramatic and rapid. Really, uh, I got to admit, kind of moving to watch. And it's not crystal clear what the mechanism is because we don't usually think of cannabis as a dopaminergic drug. Maybe downstream somewhere you'd see some modest changes in dopamine production after the cannabinoid receptors are targeted. And it's teaching us not only uh, how to help these folks, but uh, scratching our heads a little bit about the mechanism and we're learning a little more about the brain. Hmm. It's it's fascinating research going on. And of course, uh, folks will know uh, some famous Parkinson's sufferers. Michael J. Fox, of course, uh, the late Muhammad Ali suffered from Parkinson's. Uh, the more we can learn about this and, and, and provide some help for these folks. Oh, that would be some fantastic, fantastic breakthroughs. Uh, our next study that's up uh, to talk about uh, suggests that cannabis could treat cervical cancer. What is this like the 19th, 20th different cancer we found some promising results for, doctor? So this is pretty wild. And I mean, cervical cancer does not lend itself to the more straightforward, easy interventions. The surgeries can't be uh, particularly easy. The radiation targeting can be cumbersome. And the chemotherapy just ends up wiping people out all the way. So it's also something we'd rather not do. We really are seeing enough consistent uh, decrease in tumor size in response to the cannabinoids now that I'm starting to wonder if there's a cancer that cannabis wouldn't help. And I, I take a lot of hope in this. 
And I feel like until we get, you know, better prevention on something like this, we got to make this our, our, uh, you know, another key to the armament against against this disabling disease. And and with cervical cancer, haven't we recently found over the past five years that the human papilloma virus has a lot to do this do with this? And there's some controversy about getting you know uh, uh, prepubescent uh, women girls uh, inoculated for it. So it's been kind of strange. The the move has been that HPV was increasing risk for this cancer, and uh, the you know effect isn't huge, but big enough to make it seem like preventing this would would certainly uh, have that advantage. Uh, anytime you vaccinate, folks are are you know come uh, often concerned and not particularly eager to to jump in there until we've got some longitudinal data. But we have uh, evidence suggesting it's really worth it. It is a painful shot and one that my daughter has complained about, but uh, the process seems to be worth it. And I decided to go ahead and do it with my kids. Well, that that sounds great. And, uh, you know, I, uh, there's a, that controversy over it kind of bothers me because uh, what they try to say is, oh, if you give these young you know, preteen girls, it's kind of encouraging them to go out and have sex. So what the alternative is, hey, if you do, go ahead and get cancer. <laughs> I, I just don't understand that thinking. All right. Let's get I got oh. that. That's such an obtuse argument. I, I couldn't <laughs> even encode it. <laughs> All right. And uh, we've got another study here. And this one's uh, a first that I've ever heard about heavy cannabis use may increase the risk of osteoporosis. Uh, and again, that's the bone disorder. Uh, what do you make of this one? So they're getting a little ahead of themselves on this, but basically there was a subset of really heavy users. It was literally over 5,000 lifetime uses, something like that. Uh, and they had a 5% decrease in bone density and uh, modest uh, reports of uh, increased fractures or bone problems along those lines. It was such a strange way to kind of cut the data up. I, I feel like we shouldn't make too much of this until it replicates. The mechanism doesn't quite make sense to me, but they have done this in some animal studies where, again, really heavy doses at, at uh, frequent administrations did seem to um, – alter bone density in some rodents so we'll all just have to be super careful about you know chewing our tums and making sure we're uh keeping our calcium intake high all right and we've got a question coming from our chat room daniel is in florida and he's of course looking forward to the amendment two passing uh in november and asks about his dad who is suffering from alzheimer's disease just wants to know some basics on what you would recommend for uh dosing how to get his father interested in it what things to avoid how could how could he help with cannabis and alzheimer's what's curious is we really don't have a lot of human trials except those that show that it would certainly help his dad keep his weight up keep his appetite good and keep his mood good and those tend to be things that make things easier on caregivers and uh, improve longevity particularly keeping the weight uh, reasonable. I imagine a vaporized dose that's extremely small or a, a tincture that, again, is a really small dose and start low and slow, see how his dad reacts and go from there. The animal literature is pretty impressive about neuroprotective effects. We haven't actually seen somebody have Alzheimer's reversed, so I'd love it if he could be the first one. Yeah, that would be great. And, and I'll add uh, my two cents on this as well. Uh, the last thing to offer is any sort of smoked marijuana uh, for, for older, you know, elderly people. You show them that vape pen, 
uh, you show them a nice little vape pen or you know, get them into tinctures or these or these topicals, especially uh, it, it, it breaks down that barrier, that fear they've got of it being, you know, pot. Oh, my God. All right, let's get one. We've got time for one more here. But before we go, let's uh, remind you that if you've got a question you'd like to keep private and personal, you can always send it directly to Dr. Mitch Earlywine through 420research at gmail.com, 420research at gmail.com. And we got another question from the chat room. Jerry is in our chat room, and I just happen to know that Jerry's blind. We've been uh, corresponding back and forth. And he says, uh, I've got a question. I get very serious headaches from my eyes. My eyes are deteriorating in the back of my head, and I want to know what I can do to alleviate the headache using edibles. Well, again, the, the opportunity would be to find a strain that you know has those analgesic effects. And rather than you know try to wait for a headache to get really bad and then eat an edible, you'll be way too far behind it. Uh, as soon as you notice the, the least bit of a symptom, start with a really small dose and see if you can kind of cut it off at the pass. We've seen that with the migraine literature too, where if somebody can run to the vaporizer as soon as they get those flashes that often precede the, the migraine, they can get ahead of it and then have a much easier time, much shorter duration and much lower intensity. All right. Well, that's about all the time we've got to speak with Dr. Mitch today. But if you missed the beginning or have questions you want to get in, you can always join us next week, every Monday here on the Russ Belleville Show. And don't forget to check out CannabisRadio.com for Dr. Mitch's podcast, Burning Issues. It's available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks, Dr. Mitch. And uh, we'll talk to you next week and see you later. Have a great one. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk about TV's quack, Dr. Oz spreading junk science to discredit marijuana legalization. Got a few things to say about that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers? From a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Hello and welcome all you high-flying, die-trying, roll a Philly blunt for your friend, hempsters, every roach-smoking, bong-token, however you get your THC can enthusiasts, all you rebels, individualistic originals, and outside-the-box ganja warriors, you chunky monkey, cherry Garcia, munchy-loving hempsters, all you captive earth surfers, astral travelers, and ganja-loving canosaurs, all you high-flying, wide-smiling, ganja-rific cannabophiles, welcome to everyone except Donald Trump supporters, because that's how I really feel. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today on The Rant, we're going to talk about Dr. Mehmet Oz. You know Dr. Oz. He's the uh, TV quack that uh, had Donald Trump on the other day to prove that he's medically fit by showing a a single-page typed letter from another quack. <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, guy who promotes Reiki. You know what Reiki is? You know where the, they put their hands over you and they can move your energies? Mm-hmm. He's uh, promoted numerous unproven snake oil cures that got him called in front of Congress, in front of the FTC, uh, and uh, berated <laughs> for being a quack. And um, he is the co-author of this article that I saw over the weekend entitled Marijuana. Is there a responsible way to approach its increasing use? And uh, this thing's a syndicated article. probably all over the country. I found it in the health and fitness section of the Idaho Statesman. I still get the paper from my, or the feed, I should say, uh, from my hometown birthplace newspaper there. And in this 652-word piece, they managed to cram in 10 different ways to undermine support for medical marijuana. One every 65 words. And if you thought Dr. Oz was batshit crazy when he was promoting seances with the dead for stress relief and pushing unproven magic coffee bean weight loss cures or interviewing Charlie Sheen about the virus in goat's milk that cured his AIDS, man, wait till you hear his opinions on medical marijuana. First of all, the seriousness with which Dr. Oz treats the marijuana issue is revealed in the opening denigrating pot pun lines. Like, facts about its risks and benefits seem harder to come by than a sober fan at a Willie Nelson concert. Or the warning that some think it can send your health up in smoke. And the advice, don't go one toke over the line. Well... The jokes about pot aren't as troubling as Dr. Oz and his co-author, Dr. Michael Roizen. This guy, uh, Roizen, he's the chief wellness officer of the Cleveland Clinic, which also sells Reiki energy services. These two are irresponsibly spreading junk science and misinformation to discredit marijuana in literally every paragraph of this piece. Here's, here's Here's an excerpt from the piece. Quote, More than 31 million U.S. adults smoke marijuana, and almost 8.5 million use pot a lot, 
according to a recent study published in The Lancet Psychiatry. Somewhere around 1.2 million folks in 24 states have authorized prescriptions for medical marijuana. End quote. Doc, nobody has a prescription for medical marijuana. It is a Schedule I drug and prescriptions cannot be written for it. Doctors ought to know this because they have to abide by the DEA's prescription regulations regarding dangerous medicines that, unlike marijuana, can actually kill you. Instead, what you're talking about are the millions of patients in half the country already that have physicians' recommendations to use marijuana for medical purposes. And recommendations don't protect you for shit. A prescription would protect these patients' medical information under federal HIPAA laws. A prescription would allow health insurance to cover the costs of the medicine. A prescription would prevent employers, landlords, governments, firearms dealers, courts, and law enforcement from abridging these patients' civil rights. So uh, let's get the terminology correct. It's been, what, 20 years now? Here's another excerpt. Quote, Ironically, The more folks smoke pot, the increase since 2002 is about 30%, the less people believe it delivers real physical and psychological risks, end quote. Doc, there's nothing ironic about fewer people finding pot use risky these days. Think about where we set the baseline. In 2002, the baseline was set when there was only eight medical marijuana states, and they'd been open at most six years. By that time, that's California, but six years, four years for Oregon and Washington, Alaska, a couple years for uh, Denver or for Colorado and and, uh, Nevada. The Bush administration at the time was telling us that marijuana leads to terrorism. That pot had become 20 times stronger than the Woodstock era. And that if your kid finds his dad's stash, he's going to pull out a gun and shoot his friends. So, yeah, people might have thought pot was risky back then. Fourteen years later, people are starting to understand a more accurate perception of marijuana's risks after generations of reefer madness propaganda. People now know that marijuana is safer than alcohol and tobacco. People now know that marijuana is incapable of creating a fatal overdose. And people now know that marijuana can be used for medical purposes. They've seen 25 states with it already. They've seen four states legalize all adult use. And those states are seeing tremendous benefits and the sky hasn't fallen. And while all of that, all of that is kind of, you know, a problem, you know, trying to distort this decrease in risk perception when what it really is, is people getting over reefer madness. That's not even the most egregious part of this paragraph. The most egregious omission comes from the fact that they're using this Lancet study to tell you 31 million people toke, that 8.5 million toke a lot, that tokings increased 30%, and that risk perception has dramatically declined. They've, they've given you four out of five of the things this study found and failed to mention the fifth, the most important finding, that despite all of those changes they're trying to scare you about, there has been, quote, No increase in marijuana use disorders, 1.5%, end quote. 
Yeah. People think it's less risky, but the same number of people get addicted to it. Use has gone way up, but the same number of people are getting addicted to it. Kind of blows that scare right out of the water, doesn't it? Here's, here's another example. Quote, any smoke, be it from wood fire, a cigarette, or a joint, delivers toxins to the lungs. Inhaling deeply and holding your breath when smoking marijuana increases exposure. Researchers from Health Canada found side stream secondhand marijuana smoke with more carcinogenic polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons than secondhand tobacco smoke. End quote. Okay, yes. Exposure to the smoke from burning vegetable matter of any type does contain toxins and carcinogens. But these doctors are using scary words that imply danger while leaving out the important information that debunks the danger. We've already covered the fact that nobody dies from a marijuana overdose, so the use of the word toxic is a little inappropriate. And marijuana smoke does contain carcinogens, but that doesn't mean that marijuana smoke causes cancer. Just like H2O, water, right? H2O. Well, it's got two explosive hydrogen atoms. Hydrogen's explosive. And, and, and it's got one oxygen atom. My God, oxygen is what's necessary to start fires. But that doesn't mean that water burns. Chemistry matters, Doc. And the chemistry in marijuana smoke matters. The delta-9 THC molecules that are among those carcinogens you're talking about seem to prevent the smoke from causing cancer. Even among the tokers who are inhaling deeply and holding their breath, there is no association at all between their marijuana use and head, neck, and lung cancers. That was discovered by Dr. Donald Tashkin 10 years ago after studying 30 years worth of data. And he went into the data hoping to find the link. He's not a pot guy. He, he was looking to prove what he believed, that it would cause cancer, and found the opposite. Thank God he had the honesty and intellectual credibility to stand by his findings. Here's another one, number five. Fifth out of ten paragraphs. I mean, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Number five, here's a quote. Hydrocarbons also contribute to inflammation throughout your body, including in your joints, your back, your arteries, and your brain. You may actually increase the pain from which you're seeking relief. End quote. All right, folks. Uh, number one, when you're smoking pot, it's self-titrating. You can tell what effect it's having on you. So if it were causing inflammation and the pain was not subsiding, you'd know it. But chronic pain is the number one condition for which patients get their recommendations. We've seen that it reduces the side effects of opioid painkillers. We see fewer opioids prescribed and fewer opioid overdose deaths. But even if there was inflammation from the smoking, there's vaporization, there's edibles, there's tinctures, there's topicals. You could mention those. I... I don't know, maybe Dr. Oz just thinks it's better for people to pay for an office visit every month to renew a pain prescription they could get addicted and killed by. I don't know why he wouldn't tell people to just grow a cheap, safe house plant. Maybe they wouldn't visit him as, oh. 
It's all the time we got for today, but we'll finish this rant up in hour two. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On Toker? Or you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. And the phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. Legal-MJ. That's what we're fighting for here at the Russ Belleville Show. Been doing it since 2005, and I'll keep doing it until it's legal in Singapore. Yeah, people ask sometimes, what do you think going to be the, the last state to legalize? And sometimes I say Singapore <laughs> just because, uh, you know, like a nation state, right? Kind of throws people off. But it's something to think about because here in America, our, our legalization is proceeding apace. And, and within the next 20 years, I, I think pretty much anybody everywhere in the states will be able to get some weed. Laws will be different. I mean, California will have lounges and pretty much free for all. And Kansas might be just decrim at that point. But still, it'll, it's going to get better over these next couple decades for sure but that doesn't mean that we rest on our laurels and that doesn't mean there's not still battles to fight and that's where i'm starting to take my my look now you know internationally at what it's going to take to get us out of these out of these un treaties and what it's going to take to change the laws in the producer countries and to take a broader view of this whole fight beyond just marijuana into all drugs that people might want to use 
and it's a tough one for some people to get around. It's a, you know, there's a there's a strain, if you pardon the expression, of marijuana users that kind of get up on their high horse about it. Marijuana is the sacred herb, and marijuana is the healing of the nations, and marijuana is a miracle medicine, and marijuana is safer than everything ever, right? And and they kind of cast aspersions on the users of other substances and the danger of other substances. Now, this isn't to say that other drugs don't provide greater dangers. No, sure, absolutely, I'll cop to that, no doubt. But that's not to say that a drug having a greater risk potential makes it per se dangerous, right? It's not, it's not like marijuana is a baseline and anything riskier than that is a danger. I mean, everything's a danger to some level. We need to understand it as a spectrum. There's no good or bad drugs. There's just varying degrees of risk associated with them. That's what I think we need to, uh, the point we need to get across. And it's going to be difficult because... We've got, uh, you know, 57% of the people, according to uh, Pew now, that, uh, that say they support marijuana legalization. But any other drug, you know, it's like 6 7 8%. Heroin, coke, meth, like 4%, right? And, and I think part of the thing we're going to have, we're going to find ourselves having to undo is some of the ways that we fought for marijuana legalization. Because those arguments don't work as well for the other drugs. My argument has always been, it don't matter if it's Drano. I got the right to put it in my body. I, I'm one of those guys, I'm for suicide. I'm for, I'm for uh, you know, physician-assisted suicide. Hell, I'm for, you know, set up a, a, a clinic, like an abortion clinic for, you know, adults. <laughs> like just, hey, I'm done with life, terminate me. I would. I, I'm, I'm f- your life, buddy. You want to end it? Your life, that's great. Do, it, do with it what you will. So with that perspective... It's not hard for me to f- to switch right over to the other drugs. You want to do coke? You want to do meth? You want to do PCP? Great. Go ahead. Now, I might have some safety requirements. <laughs> you know, clean needles, pure pure drugs. Uh, maybe maybe with the PCP, you got to, you know, be locked in a room or something. I don't know. But I would not restrict anybody from doing to their bodies what they want to do with their bodies. But everybody else who's fought for legalization, fighting for it on the, hey, we could raise taxes or, or, or hey, it's safer than alcohol, those arguments aren't going to work as well when we're talking about drugs that very few people use that are actually dangerous. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Mention the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on CannabisRadio.com. And don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. 
but words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We have to bring back law and order. Okay, maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a scum. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Got a great chat room going on here at CannabisRadio.com. If you haven't been there, you need to join us. we got a good set of regulars that will help you out. If you're listening on the Spreaker player, on that Spreaker player, there's a little thing that looks like a little cartoon balloon, kind of an icon, like a little chat bubble. Click on that. It'll open up the chat room for you. Also, shortly before I go on air, I uh, tweet out the Spreaker link, and that's the one that goes straight to the chat room. Uh, you can use that as well to get in there. But uh, join us. We got Jerry and Doc and Runaround and Michael and High in Hawaii and a bunch of folks that are hanging out, having us a good time. Now, I wanted to continue on my uh, Dr. Oz rant. And uh, by the way, you can find this rant up on weednews.co, uh, the new site that I'm a co-partner of. Co-partner? That's kind of redundant, isn't it? Anyway, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm a partner on this website, and the whole rant is up there with plenty of links if you want to follow up on this stuff. But I need to get the rest of this out because the guy just pisses me off. In fact, all these TV doctors piss me off. Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, the doctors, whoever the hell, they all piss me off. And not necessarily because of who they are, although in the case of Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz, that's a contributing factor. But the fact that they're on TV at all. Because I feel that the popularity of these shows is partially a function of our shitty healthcare system in this country. And the fact that people can't afford to go see a doctor, if they got a question or they're curious about something, they don't have a personal relationship with a physician and the, the money to be able to afford it to go just shoot the shit. So they got to watch some quack on TV trying to sell some you know green coffee bean weight loss cure he's getting kickbacks for and and what kind of public service is that so dr Roz and this other dr uh, Royzen, uh the, they wrote this op-ed it's up on the idaho statesman it's all over the place and uh i was just going through it because there was 10 different ways they denigrated and tried to undermine support for medical marijuana, 10 different ways in a 650 word piece. I got through the first five in the rant. Let me get the other five out right now. So they had just finished talking about how, oh, you know, if you, uh, if you want pain relief, you don't want to smoke pot because smoking is inflammation and inflammation might cause more pain. 
And I kind of chided him on, hey, there's edibles, there's tinctures, there's vaporizers, right? So the very next paragraph, here's the quote. These same inflammatory molecules don't seem to accumulate when marijuana is eaten. But if you're going to eat pot brownies, gummies, or hard candies, beware of kids' access to them. Overdoses are dangerous. Well, I guess be careful what I ask for, right? Doc Oz here is acknowledging that there are marijuana-infused edibles to eliminate the harms from smoking, like I wanted him to. But then, then immediately tries to make it scary by threatening a danger to children. Look, nobody, nobody wants to see kids ingesting marijuana, but that's a risk born from bad parenting, not a risk from the marijuana-infused edibles. Kids face no more danger from eating unsecured marijuana gummies than eating unsecured vitamin gummies. Both are going to give the kids some discomfort. Both are non-toxic. And in both cases, the kids will recover in a few hours with no lasting effects. Now, they wouldn't turn out so well if they got into the unsecured chocolate laxatives or the unsecured jello shots or the unsecured tied laundry pods that look like candy. Funny how 48,000 kids under the age of six in this nation in 2014 went in for non-toxic gummy vitamins and, and, and other types of medicines like that. Somehow that didn't freak everyone out, but 47 kids under the age of 10 who got into some gummy bears in Colorado, that's, that's a big problem. One one-thousandth of the kids that are getting into the, the, the gummy vitamin stuff. The difference is that these irresponsible adults who let their kids get into the laundry pods, let them get into uh, the, the cosmetics, all these other things that kids are thousand times more likely to be going to the hospital for. We understand it's the parent's problem. We, we, we blame the parent for letting their kid get into the easily opened transparent package of drug infused candy or, or laundry pods. But you get a few dozen kids made temporarily ill on a marijuana product. And Oh no, it's not the parents that are the problem. It's the product itself. And boom, we're passing laws to restrict their shape, to reduce their potency, to label them, to ban their advertising, to stamp them with big old markings on them and to require their packaging in opaque childproof containers, which I'm fine with. If that's what you required for the Tide laundry pods. Here's another quote from this uh, piece. One study in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences showed that frequent marijuana smokers lost eight IQ points between the ages of 13 and 38. And even if they quit as adults, the researchers found the youthful indulger's mental ability did not fully recover. Fortunately, folks who start smoking pot as an adult do not show such a decline in IQ. <laughs> and by the way, in this paragraph, it's the only paragraph in which he did all caps on one word. He did all caps on the word lost. And it's the only sentence that he ended with an exclamation point. And what Doc Oz is uh, relying on here is Madeline Meyer's infamous 2012 study that followed 1,000 New Zealanders over 40 years. And when it came out, oh, the marijuana prohibitionists, they finally had the evidence they needed to back up that stereotype of the stupid pothead. They, they threw that 
lost eight IQ points right into the card catalog, and they've been using it ever since. Of course, they paid no attention to the researcher in 2013 who debunked the conclusion using the same data and published his results in the same peer-reviewed journal where Meyer's study was published. Then they ignored that there were only 38 examples of early-onset frequent-use subjects to prove this IQ loss. 38, a dubiously small sample. And of course, they paid no attention to the 2016 study of over 2,200 teenagers that showed no short-term effect on adolescent IQ, even in the heavy marijuana users. And they never acknowledged another 2016 study, this time with over 3,000 pairs of twins, where one twin tokes and the other one abstains, that showed no decline in adolescent IQ based on marijuana use. And and by the way, they actually did find that some of the pot-smoking twins, their IQ went down, but their non-pot-smoking twins' IQ went down as well, which suggests genetic factors or environmental factors that they share rather than the pot-smoking. Oh, this next one. Oh, this quote. I love this one. Here's, here's a quote from Dr. Oz's piece. Quote, When used in a well-regulated program to address specific medical issues, marijuana can convey some benefits. End quote. <laughs> well, damning with faint praise, are we? Look, Doc Oz here is trying to conclude this piece by being all fair and balanced because there's like 80% support for medical marijuana. If he didn't recognize some medical benefits, they'd he'd lose what tiny sliver of credibility that reiki-believing pharmaceutical shilling weight-loss snake oil salesman may still retain. But how does a well-regulated program change the pharmacological effects of cannabinoids on medical issues. Why must one define bureaucratically which specific medical issues may be treated for marijuana to, to convey some benefits? Numerous medical issues are treated by marijuana because our bodies have receptors for the cannabinoid molecules in the plant. These external plant-based molecules that we call phytocannabinoids mimic our body's endocannabinoids, which are molecules we produce internally. These molecules help to regulate many of our bodily functions. And this endocannabinoid system couldn't care less whether you've registered with the state, whether you qualified with some particular condition, whether you got a card, whether you shopped in a dispensary, or whether you followed the strict regulations for medical cannabis use. Hell, your body will experience the same benefits to the endocannabinoid system from smoking an illegal street marijuana joint for entertainment at an outdoor midnight Pink Floyd laser light show. The endocannabinoid system does not care about your medical marijuana law. Doc Oz is throwing this one in here to try to seem like, okay, if you got cancer and you're going to die, if you got AIDS, you're going to die. Well, I suppose we can let you have the side effects of the awful things that'll happen for marijuana because you're about to die. This, this is this marijuana as last resort bullshit we get the, from these people. That's what it is. Try to minimize this. Try to make it seem like, well, it's really risky. <sighs> Should be the medicine of first resort. Here's, here's another statement. Quote, Treat it with the same understanding of its inherent risks and benefits as you do or should alcohol, 
which can be used in a recipe for a tasty fish stew or be a toxic substance that kills. <laughs> this doctor, and I use the term loosely, uh, in 650 f- words has carefully arranged them to lead people to assume the worst. It assumes it uses the word risks seven times and in close proximity to Toxin, toxic, carcinogen, dangerous, ammonia, cyanide, and health up in smoke. Now, it uses the word benefits six times, but then immediately undercuts it every time. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tackle the rest of those benefits, and we'll talk more about Dr. Oz. What is the main food that penguins eat? Spam? No, I don't like spam. Happy 420, everybody. It's 420 in the Pacific Time Zone. Time for us to take our union-mandated safety briefing. I'm feeling a little dangerous. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to talk about Rick Steves making his way to Maine. And after that, the write-in campaign, Russ Belleville for president, starts today. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. When I was in the Marines and I did fracture both my tibia and fibia, they, they gave me multiple painkillers, Oxycontins, Percocets, Hydrocodone, painkillers, painkillers. You're addicted. You know you're addicted. The pride that I took being a Marine was gone. With marijuana, I felt like not only can I treat myself and treat the pain, but I can also live. Dealing through the VA, it is never talked about. It was never an option. Why do I have to live in pain? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Date. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 
Uh, got a question from the chat room. Kathy wants to know why this story? Why this Dr. Oz story? Why am I going off on this thing? Well, the reason why is because it appeared in the Idaho Statesman. <laughs> right? Like, if I was if I was perusing Oregon Live, right? The Oreg- the Oregonians website for uh, or, or, or the cannabis, right? If I if I'm out in on the Denver newspaper or I'm on the uh, Oregon newspaper or Seattle newspaper, I probably wouldn't attack it so much, right? Because the comments section would have done it for me. Now, by the time you'd get there on any of those stories like that, you'd go to the comments section. It'd be 50, 60 comments and people going, this is bullshit. Here's the study, blah, blah, blah. I go out to the Idaho Statesman page and there was one comment. Just one. And so I started typing out like, well, this is freaking ridiculous, blah, 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 trying to add all the links. And I have this rule that, you know, I'm a professional writer now so that if I'm on Facebook or uh, some website and I'm typing a comment and it gets more than three paragraphs long, I had to make an article out of that and get paid. <laughs> so that's what I did. I started off this response on the Idaho Statesman's page and then I realized, shit, this is going to be a good article. So I, I just wrote it all up because I can put so much more in the article. There's links. I can put in graphics and so forth. And then I go back to the Idaho Statesman and say, hey, this is bullshit. Here's the response. And then not only do I have more uh information I can convey, but I'm also getting clicks. I'm getting Idaho Statesman feeding me traffic. So that's kind of why I went for this story. But the other part, you kind of nailed it. You said, is it just because so many people listen to these quacks? Um, Yeah, it is. Because, you know, we're deep in the weeds in this, pardon the pun, when it comes to marijuana policy and cannabinoid pharmacokinetics and so forth, right? We, We understand this very intimately. Most people don't. Hell, most pot smokers don't, <laughs> but most people in general aren't pot smokers. Like 84% of the population doesn't smoke pot and they got no clue. So when a Dr. Oz comes on, you know, that's, that's as close to an authority as they got, right? They're not, they don't know. That's why, that's why Sanjay Gupta was such a huge victory for us because people put a lot of stock into these TV doctors. All right, so that's why I'm attacking this. And let me just finish it up because I can't leave it uh, unfinished. Um, Again, in 650 words, 652 it was, in 652 words, these guys, Dr. Oz and Dr. Roizen, and again, this Roizen guy is another Reiki quack. But anyway, uh, these guys, uh, in 652 words, used the word risks seven times. And every time the word risk was involved in that paragraph, other scary words were near it, like toxin, toxic, carcinogen, dangerous, ammonia, cyanide, health, up in smoke, right? Risks, danger, toxins, toxins, cancer, ah! Now, it used the word benefits six times. Close to balanced, right? You'd think six times for the benefits, but then every time a benefit was mentioned it's undercut here's the six examples six benefits he listed but then immediately in that paragraph went and undercut them number one quote there are around 1.2 million folks in 28 24 states benefiting from medical marijuana but they're just a fraction of the millions of adults and kids smoking pot all right, so let's minimize. Oh, yeah, lots of people getting, but that uh, very few of the people smoking pot are really any getting any benefits from it. 
it's an implication. It's that 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 negative space in the rhetoric that lets the listener fill it in with, oh, okay, so most people are getting harms. If only 1.2 million are getting benefits, then the ones that aren't getting benefits are getting harms. No, that's not the way it works. Uh, here's the second one. He points out that medical marijuana can provide benefits of, quote, pain relief, stimulate appetite, ease Parkinson's sy- symptoms, end quote. But then goes on to say that only may outweigh the health risks plain old pot smokers suffer. Like it's this cost benefit analysis. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm losing weight and I got no appetite and I, I'm a 10 on the pain scale and the Parkinson's is acting up, but I better evaluate whether or not dry mouth might be a problem. <laughs> Jesus. Um, third one, you may, quote, feel less back or joint pain, end quote, as a benefit of medical marijuana, but smoking leads to inflammation that may increase the pain. <laughs> if it did, you'd stop smoking, Right. Or you'd switch to vaporization. Um, The fourth one. You can avoid smoking's inflammatory molecules by eating the marijuana. Oh, but then the kids will suffer dangerous and increasingly common marijuana overdoses. All right. Just not. Here's here's some harm reduction. But be careful because it's like here's here's clean needles. But don't leave them out where the kids will get into them. Well, of course you're not going to. God. The fifth one. Uh, He admits there may be medical benefits for diabetes, spasticity, nausea, and pain. Maybe. But only if your state passed a medical marijuana law and you qualify for a card. That's that paragraph where he talks about, well, under a state regulated, well-regulated program for some. What what the regulations enter into it? Like uh, when I drink coffee the caffeine works it doesn't matter if i have a prescription for that or i know there's caffeine in there or i think caffeine works or some legislator signed a law it's caffeine it goes to your nervous system and it works same with cannabinoids they they work whether you got a card or not and then he closes with uh, uh you know marijuana has medical benefits that are increasingly accepted But it's super potent now, so we should treat it like alcohol, quote, a toxic substance that kills, end quote. Folks, treating marijuana like alcohol is a gross misunderstanding of both substances and an insult to marijuana. Treating marijuana as more harmful than pharmaceuticals is a gross misapplication of drug regulations and an insult to patients. Treating marijuana with more skepticism than reiki is a gross dereliction of scientific duty and an insult to audiences. But treating marijuana to a reefer madness write-up from TV's quackiest doctor is just gross. All right, if you want to pick up that piece, it's available on uh, weednews.co, your independent source for the best in marijuana news and opinion. All right. Uh, there's a great story in the Portland Press Herald today. Important because we got that news out of Maine, and and I this I, I was putting the news together when I got that story out of Maine. I hadn't had chance to do the debunking on it yet, so I'll tackle that. But if you missed the first hour, Maine's attorney general has issued this opinion that says, "Uh oh, if you legalize with question one in Maine, we can't punish kids that smoke pot." Now the legal theory. 
as was reported in the story. Again, I haven't double checked it yet. The legal theory is that Maine's question one repeals or supersedes probably the existing decrim in Maine. Maine's decrim law says if you cop less than two and a half ounces, it's like a ticket, an infraction, right? And it's one of those things that doesn't, again, speculating here, that doesn't mention an age, right? It's like any person caught with less than two and a half ounces. So you could be two, you could be 200, you could be whatever age. We're just going to give you a ticket, right? And if I'm understanding what she's saying is that this law says it shall be legal for people 21 and older to possess 2.5 ounces. And that this law now supersedes and renders invalid other laws regarding that behavior. And so, and this is where I really got to get into the And I've got the whole initiative. You know, I'll dig deep into this. But then that theory would be, okay, you just superseded a law that punishes anybody in, of any age with a ticket. And you replaced it with something that says it makes it legal for people 21 and over to do it. What do we do then to the people under 21? Because there's no punishment left. There's no ticket left for any age. And we only legalize the 21 and up. So what? this is now it's in a gray area. It's not legal for over. The law doesn't make it legal for people under 21 to smoke pot or possess it. But it got rid of the penalty for that illegal act. Now, if that's true, holy shit. <laughs> oh, man. If that is true, we are in trouble in Maine, people. We are in trouble in Maine. And... um. And I will uh, I'm going to be taking a deep look at this because it's 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 interesting because the main situation is the only situation where the more liberal grassroots all volunteer. Well, I don't know if it's all volunteer, but the liberal grassroots effort went up against a more conservative, nationally funded marijuana policy project effort and won. It's the only place it's happened in all the history of marijuana legalization. And the story, the script has always been the opposite. The script is always there's grassroots activists who've been in the state. They've been working there for a couple decades. They've passed local ballot questions and non-binding referenda and have been the ones that have been testifying in the city councils and the state houses and working their ass off and throwing the parades and throwing the rallies and getting the education out there for decades and then when it comes, their state's just ready to legalize. That's when MPP swoops in from Washington, D.C. after doing some polling, this polling that has now been seeded by all this local work that has gone so much into, you know, changing the landscape there. And they jump right in. MPP jumps in. Professional campaign. This is the way it's going to be done. My way or the highway. And activists either choose the highway or they get pushed out onto it. That's generally been the script. Now, I'm not saying this as a slight at MPP by any means. Politics ain't beanbag, people. This is like serious shit. And MPP's got a serious attitude about it being an incremental war, that this is a, a marathon, not a sprint, that you've got to move forward and, and capture any territory you can in the war to try to gain more. 
And it's, I've had numerous disagreements with MPP on this, on various aspects of their legalization plans. But by and large, over the 20-year history, and the, they've done the most work to get the most marijuana freedom for the most people in this country. And it, and it is politics, folks. There's a lot of ways they've done it, a lot of things that have happened. That I shouldn't say a lot, but there have been a number of things that have happened uh, and ways that it's been done that uh, I'm not happy with at all. And, well, that's politics. That's the way it goes, man. Uh, sometimes your best option is the least shitty solution, <laughs> you know? Um, anyway. MPP's always had this history of, of, you know, jumping in, being the national funders, being the, the big boy on the block with the billionaire in the back pocket that could actually get shit done. And so then you have that that internecine battle between the locals who run their more liberal initiative, whether it be Jack Herrer in California, Arizonans for Mindful Reform in Arizona, Bay State Repeal in Massachusetts, Issue 7 in Arkansas, uh, Measure 80 in Oregon. Uh, I could go on and on and on. It always works this way, okay? Well, this time in Maine, this guy Paul McCarrier up in Maine with Legalized Maine wrote a more liberal initiative, managed to get the signatures necessary, and had the political standing to force MPP to choose his language rather than go with theirs. So if this little loophole thing sinks it, oh my god. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Hello? Hey, are you the one that put the ad on Craigslist? Uh, was in the, the personal no. section uh, about, you know, want to have a, little, uh, have a little good time tonight? No. Nothing about, you know, any uh, backdoor action? No. A little fifth base? You're not into that? No, and I, I suggest you don't fucking call my son and my fucking perverted bastard. Are you, are you sure you're not the one on the Craigslist? You're talking dirty to me. Damn, she hung out. That was good. It was funny, though. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. 
in the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Rust sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, I'm uh, taking a look at some more uh, reports at the Portland Press Herald. Um, a spokesperson for the Attorney General's office there in Maine says, quote, the initiated bill purports to allow only people over 21 years of age to buy and consume marijuana. However, it says nothing about people under the age of 21. Nothing in this bill makes it unlawful for a child to possess marijuana. There are no penalties. End quote. Huh. All right. We, we will take a look. He says, uh, quote, this is the very statute that makes it a juvenile crime to possess marijuana. Repealing this provision of Title 22 makes it lawful for juveniles of any age to buy, possess, and consume a usable amount of marijuana. The same would be true for people ages 18 to 20. My God, and this is uh, now obviously, uh, should this pass, it is something that can be fixed. If this, if this is truly the, the the problem, you can pass this and fix it. Second of all, what? Look, if the penalty right now for a kid caught with weed is a is a ticket, um then it goes from being a ticket to not being a penalty at all. Do you really think that makes a huge difference in whether or not kids are getting it? Because the commercial aspect of Maine's legalization, they wouldn't be able to get in the pot shops. They wouldn't be able to be growers. They wouldn't be able to get into the pot lounges. So they'd be getting pot the same way they do now. The difference would be you wouldn't be able to get 150 bucks from their parents Look, the the punishment that's going to deter a kid is the punishment that comes from his parents, from his guardians, from the schools, from the churches, from the sports teams they play on, the bands, the orchestras they're a part of. Those kind of sanctions are going to mean more to a kid than making his parents pay a $150 fine. Now, of course, Scott Gagnon wants them to uh, uh, withdraw. They should withdraw immediately, come back with something better that he can continue to fight no matter what they bring. <laughs> okay, this other part, I, the whole point of the whole main story was to talk about Rick Steves, who's uh, heading to uh, the main, uh, the, the cities in Maine to campaign. <laughs> I didn't want to have to say that. <laughs> uh, the cities in Maine to campaign from the plane where the rain in Spain. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rick Steves is the largest individual donor to the uh to the main campaign. He's, of course, a board member for Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. He's put $100,000 into Maine's campaign. He's total put in about $800,000 between Washington, Oregon, Maine. I think he's donated to Massachusetts as well. He's going to be in campaigning in Massachusetts, too. And, of course, he, he talks about all his... Uh, typical you know the european perspective and taking the crime out of the equation and being smart not hard on drugs and uh, uh gagdon of course pops in uh by the way i'm going to try to get gagdon on the show uh for election night i'll tell you more about that tomorrow uh anyway <clears throat> gagdon says uh it's gonna be awful 
legalization is going to make the uh, the world fall apart, and that uh, Portugal. This is the important part here. Scott Gagnon, the No on One campaign director, says he suspects Steves will talk to Mainers about experiences in Portugal and the Netherlands as a way to argue for legalization in the United States. Gagnon points out those countries are very different, and their cultures are not applicable to the United States. Oh, Jesus, the American exceptionalism argument. Yes, uh, you know, drug addiction and HIV uh, infection rates and crime rates and all of that work completely different in Portugal. The Netherlands is it's a completely different. Their cultures are different. There's a different world. It's a whole different place. America's special and it would never work here. You know what that folks, you know what that's code for? You know, this is code talk, don't you? When people say the cultures in Europe are different. Yeah, what they're talking about is that, well, see, they don't have, you know, our, you know, our ghettos, you know, those people. They, we, they don't have the, the gangbangers and the thugs like we do, which is bullshit because they do. They, they're called different things and different racial epithets, but there's, every culture's got its problems with crime and immigration and whatever else. It does not change the fact that Portugal decriminalized personal possession of all drugs has seen their addiction rates plummet, has seen their HIV rates plummet, has not seen their murder rates plummet, have not seen uh, the, the predicted harms that anybody like you predicted would happen. I just, I wanted to get that out because I get so sick of hearing that in the drug debate. Oh, well, what other countries have done, we can learn nothing from that. Yeah, they have socialized health care and no guns. So obviously we're so different it would never work. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, one final thing for the day. I got I to gotta, uh, talk to my third-party voters out there. Uh, some of you know this is coming. Last night I got to my DVR, got to watch John Oliver's remarkable takedown of Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. It was epic, fantastic, and, and just the way Oliver does his, his stuff. He's really good at it, but that's not where I wanted to go because I've been thinking about this for a while, obviously, and it really has little to do with Gary Johnson or Jill Stein this time. The point is, is that one of two people will be president. This is an immutable fact. One of two people are going to be our president for the next four years. It will either be Donald J. Trump or Hillary Rodham Clinton. One of those two people will be the next president. Now, if we can't go past this part of the discussion, if you really, really think anybody else has any shot at being president, Save yourself some time, stop the stream right now, and do something more useful and productive with your day. Because we're not even inhabiting the same plane of reality at this point. If you can't acknowledge that one of those two people will be president. Okay, so those of you who are still with me, maybe you've acknowledged that. Maybe you acknowledge that, yeah, you're right. The system's fucked, man. It's, it's, it's a duopoly. It's locked in, tied down, bought and sold long time ago. That's what George Carlin used to always say. 
Man, this country was bought and sold a long time ago. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. It's their club, and you ain't in it. Right? I've, I've always subscribed to that, right? We're getting screwed no matter who gets elected. The question is, is do you get screwed with lube and a condom or do you get screwed with a spike dildo? That's where we're at here, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is where we're at. And the argument then becomes a few of them. There's a few of them. Because I made them, folks. Remember, I made the arguments. <laughs> the argument then becomes, well, number one, they're both equally awful. Hillary, Hillary Clinton is going to uh, bomb every other country and get us into a war with uh, with Russia over Syria and is going to put the banksters in charge of the treasury and loot the treasury again. We're going to have a massive collapse and a crash and it's the end of all civilization. Or you're on the other side, you're like Donald Trump, my God, serial liar, serial uh, sexual predator, uh, bankrupted every business he is ever a part of, openly basks in racism and endorsements from white nationalists, uh, xenophobia, hatred of Islam, hatred of, of women, hatred of uh, the, the disabled, whoever gets in his way, blah, blah. You could go on that rant too, right? So they'll use that third-party people, they'll say they're equally bad. Despite the fact that it's statistically improbable as hell. There are 320 million Americans, and of those that are eligible to run for president, got to be 35 and over, natural, naturalized citizen, natural citizen, or born in the United States. Um, well, not in, but whatever, right? If you meet the requirements for president, there's probably what? 50 million people? 40? I don't know. Pick a number, but it's a few million. The statistical probability that on the evil spectrum, you could pick two out of 20, 30, 40 million people who would come up with the exact same EQ, evil quotient, is impossible. I, it, improbable as hell. It, it could happen, but improbable as hell that let's say the evil quotient runs 1 to 100 and... You're telling me Trump and Clinton are both a 98.65232. Exactly. Don't buy it. I don't buy it. One may be worse than the other in this respect. and One may be worse than the other in that respect. And there might be a, a faster damage that happens under one or a more lasting damage that happens under the other. But you can find a metric. You can find something. Even in your perspective, dear listener. In your perspective, you can find something that would break the tie. For me, it's pretty easy. The tie is broken for me by the deplorables. The tie is, uh, Trump doesn't bother me so much as, oh my God, if he became president and I had to go back to Idaho and see all my redneck uncles and redneck cousins <laughs> during a Trump administration and have to deal with that during Thanksgiving dinner, oh my God, that's enough to break the tie for me. I figure when white nationalists and supremacists are saying this is our guy he speaks for us it's a warning sign you ought to take seriously now but but again i'm going to go in this with an open mind here i'm going to say you know let's even pretend they're both equally evil let me seed that ground to you let's say both hillary and donald are 98.65325 on the 1 to 100 evil quotient scale, they're exactly equally evil. Exactly equally evil will have exactly equally awful outcome 
no matter which one's president. Okay, let's, let's presume that's the case. So then you might say, well, then I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson. I'm going to vote for Jill Stein. For one, both Gary Johnson and Jill Stein openly support marijuana legalization and have for a long time. So we should, I should vote for them. And for two, I can have a pure conscience knowing that I didn't approve of whichever 98.63523 evil person becomes the next president. Well, here's why I want to make my pitch. If you're just going to vote for someone that you know isn't going to be president because it makes you feel good, why not vote for me? Write my name in. Write in Russ Belville for president. I'm not going to be the next president, and neither are Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. So write me in. I've been supporting legalization for 10 years every day now. (laughs) <laughs> at great personal risk and expense. And I got some pretty cool ideas on some other things we could do in this country. Like the Russ Belville term limits amendment. In any one office at the federal level, one can only serve the number of terms less than or equal to 12 years. You can be a congressman for six terms. You can be a senator for two terms. You can be a president for three terms. You can be a Supreme Court justice for 12 years. That's it. You can put 48 years of your life into office, but you got to keep moving. That's just one idea I got for you. How's that? Right? Write me in. Why not? I'm going to have just as much effect on what either President Clinton or President Trump does in the next four years as Gary Johnson and Jill Stein will. I'll have exactly as much power. And if you don't think my campaign's serious enough because, hell, I just announced it and I'm broke. There are other third-party candidates to choose from. There's a plethora of candidates out there that support our issue. You could vote for James C. Mitchell. Mitchell for president. Mitchell number four president 16.com who says, we need to decriminalize recreational drugs, including medical marijuana, to be available free dispensed from all federal health clinics to break the back economically of the illegal drug trade. Guy would have free weed from federal hospitals, folks. James C. Mitchell. You ain't got no Jill Stein or Gary Johnson talking about free weed from federal health clinics. How about J.D. Criveau from the Constitution Party, constitutionparty.com, whereas Congress has authorized and allowed the Bureaucratic Drug Enforcement Administration to Manifest many abuses of power, including the right to keep and bear arms, to be secure in their persons, speedy trial, face accusers, common law, excessive bail, cruel and unusual punishments, federal intrusion and usurpation of law enforcement authority. It is resolved that Congress to publicly investigate the manner in which all funds and authority granted by Congress to the DEA and other agencies involved in the so-called war on drugs are used and to terminate authority and funding for all unconstitutional activities. These guys would investigate the DEA and defund them. That's that's J.D. Criveau. I talk about. I haven't heard Jill Stein or Gary Johnson talking about defunding the DEA. How about Vermin Supreme? Vermin Supreme, the guy with the boot on his head. He's smoked marijuana a number of times on on uh, videos. He's knows all about the endocannabinoid system. How about Terry Wheelock? Terry Wheelock, theuniversalfoundation.com. Terry Wheelock says we should demilitarize law enforcement and police brutality 
move from incarceration to rehabilitation, end institutionalized racism within our justice system, expand women's rights, equal pay for equal work, protect the rights of all LGBT people from discrimination, keep the internet neutral, affordable, and available for all, and decriminalize drug addiction and legalize medical marijuana, industrial hemp, and personal use. That's Terry Wheelock. Sounds like Jill Stein, doesn't he? God, that's if you're a Jill Stein fan, why not just vote for Terry Wheelock? They'll both get the same number of electoral votes and you'll not have to vote for Clinton or Trump. How about Scott Smith? You can find his campaign at scottsmith2016.com. Scott Smith says that marijuana fits in the same category as alcohol. He lives in Colorado and says the legalization went well. Our state makes money rather than spending taxpayer dollars on criminalization. And he wants to crush the economics of the drug trade by saying, and this is his, his plan here, is we can effectively pull the rug out from under the drug lords by legalizing the use of drugs and putting the government in charge of producing and selling drugs. If drugs were cheap and legal, the criminal empire would be turned on its head overnight. There you go, man. Scott Smith, 2016.com. He's going to have the government, the post office, bring you your weed, bring you your, I mean, more than they do now. They can, <laughs> you get your weed from the post office, man. How about, you don't want to vote for Clinton or Trump. I understand. Chris Keniston, Chris Keniston, 2016.com. Um, he says, my position on marijuana legalization is not a platform issue. Forgive me for saying so, but it has become a predictably cliche third-party battle cry. I understand it's an important issue for many Americans, but I don't consider it among the most serious issues facing this country. That said, I do support federal decriminalization and opening marijuana for legitimate medical research. Like alcohol, states should decide how to legalize, intoxication limits, etc. He also wants to remove barriers to hemp agriculture. There, there you go. Chris Keniston, 2016.com. Now, maybe, maybe though, you like Jill Stein. You like the, you, these guys are great and all, but you like the idea of Jill Stein because, you know, Hillary's running for president, but you don't want her to be the first woman president. You, but you would like to see a woman president. That would be pretty damn cool. So if, if you want a woman president, you have the opportunity to vote for Lynn Kahn, K A H N, Lynn Kahn. She's at vote four, number four. L-Y-N-N 2016.com. Vote for Lynn 2016.com. In her platform, she says we must change all federal policies that have contributed to mass incarceration, militarization of police, and mistrust of our justice system. Stop the war on drugs. Redirect the funding to neighborhood-based networks of services. Eliminate mandatory minimum sentencing. Release all nonviolent and low-risk offenders from federal prisons. And stop funding for-profit prisons. Lynn Kahn, vote for Lynn2016.com. And finally, you don't want to vote for Trump. You don't want to vote for uh, Clinton. And you like Gary Johnson because he's kind of spacey, kind of, you know, he's in the, he's like that Mars stuff and the sun's going to explode. You, you, you're kind of wanting a spacey, dopey guy. Zoltan Istvan. You can vote for Zoltan Istvan. He's running under the Transhumanist Party. You can find them at transhumanistparty.org. Transhumanistparty.org. He wants to spread a pro-science culture by emphasizing reason and secular values. Advocate for morphological freedom, the right to do anything to your body as long as it doesn't harm others. End the costly war and legalize all drugs. Significantly reduce mass incarceration. Provide free public education at all levels. And... 
The transhumanist party is very strong on the fact that robotics, robots, will take over most of our jobs in the next 30 years, and they advocate for a universal basic income. We're going to let the robots take over all the work, and then we just get paychecks for sitting around smoking our legal weed. There you go. Ten different choices other than Gary Johnson or Jill Stein, or hell, you can just write me in. All of us combined will have the same electoral votes on November 9th. None. For everyone here at CannabisRedo.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You're going, you're trying, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seat, you're